to jump straight into my message today. You ready for the word? Yeah. Three of you, I said, are you ready for the word? Come on, come on. Uh, so so I, I'm reading from James chapter 1, verse 2, and it says this. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I just want to say the epistle, which just simply means letter, the epistle or book of James in the New Testament really is such a cool book. If you're in a hurry and you're looking for a no-nonsense, get-to-the-point book on how to live out the Christian life, James, I want to tell you, would be a good first, good first stop. The book of James really is just a string of um, hard-hitting, how-to, practical instructions to help us live an authentic Christian life in word and in deed, so as to avoid hypocrisy. It's a book full of practical tips to help you and I as believers get our lives, not, not just our words, our lives, our actions, what we do into alignment and harmony with the faith we profess. In fact, the book of James only has 104 verses, and it's a short book. Like I say, it's just to the point. It's 104 verses, and in those 104 verses, there are 54 imperatives, 54 instructions of how to do life. It's just like boom, boom, boom. Who was James? Well, no one knows for, for sure. Most scholars uh, believe him to be the brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the Jerusalem council. He was martyred in AD 62. He knew what he was talking about when he shares some of these things in this book. He was martyred in AD 62, which makes some scholars think because of the time that this, this book of James, this, this, this letter is possibly the first New Testament book that was written. Another reason is because in the, the uh, James chapter 1, verse 1, the greetings that he gives there, he gives it to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. In, in other words, he's not mention, mentioning Gentile believers. So this is at the beginning of the church history. And so in chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 1, he, he gives us greetings. He says, hello. And verse 2, he's like, let's get down to business. There's no pleasantries. He's like, let's just get talking straight down to business. And, he, and, and he's really saying this, let me tell you, let me tell you how to approach trials, troubles, and tough times. Let me tell you, I, I want to make it straight away, right off the bat. Let me tell you how to approach trials, troubles, and tough times. And I want you to understand the tone of the letter of James. Tone is important. You know, when people are talking to you, it's important to understand what tone are they speaking in. What is the tone? I want you to understand he's not speaking as some kind of guru. He's not going, consider your joy, my brothers. No, he's not, he's not doing that kind of, kind of things. You've got to understand he's speaking as someone with authority. He, he's the leader of the Jerusalem uh, 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 church. And I want to tell you, this church was no stranger to tough times. The church was no stranger to difficulties. The, new, the church was no stranger uh, to pain. If you, if you understand the book of Acts and what the church went through and its persecutions and so on 
and forth. He, he was not speaking as one who did not understand. And so I want you to hear the tone. He's speaking as a leader with authority to the people in the church. In fact, he uses the word brother 15 times within the book because he, it, it's quite hard. If you read the book, it's just like boom, boom, boom. But he's, he's like, brother, I love you, but you need to understand this. Catch the tone. And he says this. Like I've said, this is the environment he's speaking into. And straight away, he just gets right to the point. No mucking around. One was hello, verse one. Verse two, he says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Last week was Easter Sunday. The theme was because of Jesus. And Claudette, the amazing Claudette, made a video. Uh, there you are back there, Claudette. Well done. She made a video. If you remember, I'm sure it was just last week. We shouldn't have forgotten it. But we saw this video where people had signs. Remember, they were holding signs. And it said, because of Jesus, dot, dot, dot. And then people, each person filled in what that meant for them. Some said, because of Jesus, I have purpose. Because of Jesus, I'm loved. Because of Jesus, the addiction was broken. Amen. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, this. Because of Jesus, that. And as I was thinking about that, I started to wonder, I wonder if we wrote a sign saying, consider it pure joy, dot, dot, dot. What would people write? I mean, if they were blissfully unaware of what was written in James, if they, if they didn't understand what that verse was that we just read out, and they read the words, consider it pure joy, dot, 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 what would people write? I think people would write nice things. I think people would write uh, good things. I think people, if they were to consider something pure joy, not just joy, by the way, it's pure joy. It's like next level, joy on steroids kind of joy. So, 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 so understand, I, as I started to think about that, I thought there would be so many things that people could write in that space, consider it pure joy, dot, 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 happy things aspirations, life goals reached, fun stuff. You know, things like I, I consider it pure joy when my grandkids tell me they love me. It's just a hint. <laughs> or something like this, when, when I, I consider it pure joy when, when, when I meet, and this could be for a young person or an older person, when I, when, when I meet and marry the girl or guy of my dreams. Yeah. Say, okay, <laughs> you've already met him. Right? <laughs> I consider it pure, pure joy when I'm surrounded by friends and family who, who love me. I, I consider it pure joy, maybe for the entrepreneurs out there, when I find that dream job, or, or, or if you're a real business type person, when I make that first million, whatever it is. Or I get that house that I've always wanted, or I've paid off that house. Finally, or it might be all of the above. But here's the thing I don't think anyone really, given the freedom to do so, would naturally consider trials, troubles, and tribulations to fit into or be considered in the category of pure joy. I just don't think that's naturally where we go. We, that, that, that's not naturally where we end up. Yet James, this apostolic leader, 
This apostolic leader encourages us, encourages you and I as believers to see things like this in such a way. I'm reminded of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say the joy, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know about you, but I read that and I go, what joy? What joy? There was nothing joyful in the affliction of the cross. There was nothing joyful in the crucifixion. For what possible joy did he endure the humiliation of the cross? Well, the answer, of course, is you. You, he saw you. He saw you and you and I. For the joy set before, he saw past the cross and he saw our redemption. He saw our healing. He saw our deliverance. He saw our salvation. He saw our justification and sanctification. He saw you. The answer is he saw you, you and I redeemed, free, made whole in him who died and was buried and rose again. And I love the next verse of Hebrews 12, verse 3. It goes on to say, having read that, this joy set before him, Jesus who endured this, the cross for the joy set before him, it goes on, the very next verse says, consider him. Consider this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you, he's speaking to you, to you and me, so that you, listen, will not grow weary and lose heart. See, God's desire is that we would not lose heart. That you would not lose heart. Heart. That you will not lose heart in the midst of the battle. I don't know what battle you're going through. I don't know what difficulties you're going through. I don't know what struggles you're going through. But I can bet you, as it is for the last services that we've, we've done, there will be people in here and maybe things are rocking your world right now and maybe stuff's going around that's twisting you and shaking you. But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in the midst of the battle. Don't lose heart in the midst of the trial. Don't lose heart in the midst of trouble. James said, consider it pure joy. Another version says, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Don't lose heart. Consider it pure joy. Don't lose heart. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know there's something to know. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you're going, well, I don't know. What is that? Well, I, I want to, now you do know. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces something. God wants to produce something in you. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance and endurance. God, God, God's wanting to do something on the inside of you. Henry Ward Beecher was an American preacher who lived in the 1800s. He, 
He worked tirelessly. He was an abolitionist. He was, he, he, he was working tirelessly to put an end to the evil practice of slavery. Not an easy task in those days. But he said this as he walked through this difficult road. He said, troubles are often tools by which God fashions us for better things. Troubles are often tools by which God fashions us, fashions you for better things. I want to tell you, God's got better things for you. Come on, somebody. And so I think James is saying in a way, in that passage, in James chapter 1, verse 2, let the trials, troubles, and tribulations of this life make you better. Not bitter. Let them make us, not break us. I think James was just saying you've got to get a frame of mind. You've got to think differently because as believers, we understand our theology, our theological worldview is different than the world. We're not to be the same. We're to be different. And we have a theological worldview that is different how we see life should be different to how the world sees it. See, Romans 8, 28, and I've preached on it a number of times, says, and we know, and again, you might not know, but now you will know. It says, and we know that for those who love God, does anybody love God in here? For those who love God, it says all things, that means Everything, no matter what it is you're going through, no matter what it is you're battling with, no matter what it is you're struggling with, all of those things, nothing is left out. All things work together, listen, for good. It doesn't say all things are good. In fact, some things are just dumb. Some things in life suck. Some things in life are horrible. Some things in life are extremely difficult. Some things in life are painful. They cause us to suffer. And I want to tell you, as Pentecostals, we've got to get a theology of suffering. We have to understand pain. We have to understand. If you think God's just going to de- uh, d- deliver us out of everything, that there's no struggle, that there's no, no battle, what Bible are we reading? Every person who follows God had difficulty and suffered and walked through pain. You used to wonder, why is Job even in the Bible? It's to remind us that God work stuff in us. But we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. Some things are just dumb. But he can work all things for good for those who are called. The Bible says you did not choose him. He chose you and called you for those who are called according to his purpose. James 1 verse 2 says there are many kinds of trials and trouble. (laughs) Many kinds. Isn't that nice? There's there's many kinds. I mean, trials and troubles come in all shapes and sizes. Even this week, some new trials and troubles might have come your way, and you're going, what what is going on on here? Why am I walking? Trials and troubles come in all shapes and sizes. Some big. Some small. I got up this morning. The, the, uh, the alarm went off. And, and uh, as Anita does, when she, she prays, as soon as the alarm goes off, she's, just, she's lying down. She's like, mm, she just sits straight up. And she's like, and the day, day begins. I, I, I was getting out of bed. I can't see anything. I love daylight savings. Anyone else love that? When it's dark in the morning, I can't stand it. 
And so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm up and I'm going under the bed and I'm looking for my glasses and I'm just, where are they? Because usually I put them right on my bedside cabinet and I'm feeling around. I'm going, where, where are my glasses? And of course, I didn't want to annoy Anita by turning the light on, but I got to the point and she's like, well, what are you doing? And I just switched the light on. I said, I'm looking for my glasses. And she said, you're wearing them. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's just like, there are troubles. I was wearing them the whole I must have got straight up and put them on, but then I'm, there, but I'm just trying to feel. Troubles and trials come in all shapes and sizes. Life throws things at us. Things go wrong. The unexpected happens. I was reading some just insurance claims, real life insurance claims, and just some of the stuff people have gone through. Here's some of the things that I've, that I've said, some of the trials and troubles people have have gone through. Here's, here's one. These are all real. It says, an invisible car. An invisible car came out of nowhere and struck my car and vanished. <laughs> yes. Going to work at 7 a.m. this morning, I drove out of my drive straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes late. It's the bus's fault. Come on, somebody. Another one. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. This one I like. This is one of my favorites. The accident happened because I had one eye on the truck in front, one eye on the pedestrian, and the other on the car behind. How many know that's three eyes? That's not, that's not possible. The car in front hit the pedestrian, but he got up, so I hit him again. <laughs> Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. Hmm. The accident was caused by me waving to the man I hit last week. The incident happened because the accident happened because uh, because of a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. I know that guy. Come on somebody. I mean, have you met that met the guy staff happened. Trouble happens trials happen but it shouldn't shock us uh, jesus said you know it he said in this world you will have trouble but he said take heart i have overcome the world see it's not necessary uh, necessarily about what trials do to you but what god is doing in and through you in the midst of those trials, troubles, and tribulations. Viktor Frankl, who survived the death camp of Auschwitz, said this, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. We need to allow God to work on the inside of us. See, in life, we can't always help what happens to you, but you can in that trial, in that trouble, let God work through you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says this, it goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work. God is wanting to do a work in you. There is work to be done. How many know there is work to be done in our lives? He is doing a work 
in you. Let perseverance, let God do his thing. Let, and, and some of us will probably be going, well, can you hurry up? Can you just hurry up, God, and get it done? But it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, listen, mature. God's desiring to, to develop a maturity in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's something about trials, something about tribulation that completes, that builds, that strengthens our lives, that matures us. Someone said this, the gem cannot be polished without friction, nor man perfected without trials. See, as believers, and hey, Tom, you can come, the keyboard can come. As believers, we should be ones who, who, who never let adversity get us down except on our knees. Except on our knees. Except to seek Him. But I get it, it ain't always easy and it can be difficult when you're pushing through stuff and battling stuff and going through trials and going through difficulties. It ain't easy. We, we as a family have, we as a family have spent really the most part of February, March and April, as you know, in hospital caring for my dad who has been deathly ill. He's almost died twice. And I'd be lying if I said, if I said it hasn't been hard, I, I, I'm just, I'd be lying. I wouldn't be telling you the truth. It's been very hard. But, I, but I, I want you to understand in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that difficulty, I, I don't go, why God? Why is this happening to me? I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm preaching. I'm trying to do your will, God. Why is this happening? I just don't go, go there. Why? Because I have a theology of pain, suffering, and, and, I, and I understand this is a part of the picture. I, I understand the struggles of, of life, but also the struggles of death. In fact, I, you know, when I, it's so important for us as Pentecostals to get, it, get, to, to, to get a theology of pain, suffering, and even death because the, the reality is none of us make it out of here alive. Sorry. I'm not meaning here, this building. I'm just talking about life and, and just relax, just relax. Yeah, I know. See, you're like, whoa, next level, pastor. But truly, and none of us make it out of here alive. The statistics are 100%. We will meet, we will all meet our maker. And so that's why it's so important. If you haven't given your life to Christ, are you right with God today? Do you need to get right with Him? Stop mucking around. Because you, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. That's how it is. So I don't go, God, why? I don't go, God, why is this happening to us? What do we do? We do something that's, that's causing this. Why is this? I, I, I don't go there because, it, because I understand sometimes God puts us on our back so we'll look up. God puts us on our back sometimes so we'll look up. I, 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 I understand that the storms of life no more indicate the absence of God than clouds do the absence of the sun. The sun's always shining. There may be clouds, there may be storms, but the sun still shines. Understand that. 
but it doesn't always make it easy. I've cried. Can I, can I just be honest? I've cried so much in the last couple of months. I've cried like a baby. I remember when they first said, when they first said, your, your father will die in the next couple of days. And I, I went home after being in the hospital for hours, very, very tired. I thought I'll just go down into his room and, and just, you know, maybe just have a look. And I went into his bedroom. They, he, he stays with us and obviously now is home with us in the hospital bed in the lounge. But I went into his bedroom and as I went into his bedroom, I ended up falling and just looking at his paintings and different things that he's done over the years. And the next minute I was just a mess, bawling my eyes out, sobbing, snot and all people, not a pleasant sight. But I just began to weep as God began to do something on deep on the inside as a grief came in of, of, of just the, this is possibly the end of his his life. In fact, I've shed more tears in the last few weeks than I have in a very long, long time. But I agree with what someone said. You can sometimes see more through a tear than you can through a telescope. More goes on the inside of you in the tough times and in the struggles and in the battles than any good time that could befall us. That's why James goes on to say in the same book, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown, the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's talking about a crown. It's not talking about like a king's crown. It's talking about the crown that they would give like athletes when they win a race. That kind made of leaves and that kind of crown. The crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The great Charles Spurgeon said this, listen, there are no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers below. Well, that's worth repeating. There are no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers below. The good news is for my fathers that the doctor rang us this week and said, well, it looks like we're going to have to take him off palliative care because Basically, he's not dying. And so they're looking at now he's getting with all the love and care and stuff. And we've been able to give him back home. He's got his strength back, getting his energy back. And it's like, he's, he doesn't need palliative care. We need to change it to active care. We need to start looking at the possibility of this operation that was just, it was over. There's nothing else we can do. Now we're going to look at whether we can do something and get him in and uh, get this operation. So I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. God, thank you for your prayers and for, for that. And anything could change. It could just change like that. I'm aware, aware of that. But that situation has turned it around as Helen said that health and that wound could heal. You know, when dad was in hospital the first, um, oh no, the second time, when he was in hospital the second time, they lost his teeth. They lost his teeth. Yes, he has false teeth. And, uh, and, I, and I think possibly where, where the teeth are, the teeth are probably rolling around in a washing machine 
somewhere in the hospital. I don't know if in the hospital, apparently it's quite common. I don't know if they had a, have a shelf full of teeth uh, uh, there where it's just, I don't know whose that is, but it's somebody's teeth. But they lost his teeth. And when he was talking to the district nurse who was looking after him here, he said, oh man, they've lost my teeth. And, and it stole, he's like, I was such a handsome guy. Now they've stolen my smile. I've lost my smile. Today, as we end this message, I just want to say whatever you're going through, James is saying, don't let a trial steal your smile. Don't let a trial steal your smile. No, you're going to consider it because you understand who Christ is. You're going to consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and you're gonna let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So let's turn our trials into triumph. Let's turn our tests into testimonies. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Well, I really do hope you're encouraged by that today. I really do hope that ministered to you today. Would you stand and let me pronounce a blessing over you. And today, just before I do that, if you don't know Christ, I would encourage you to give your life to Him. Stop trying to do life alone. You're not designed for it. Give your life to Him. Turn away from your sin and turn towards God. Do life with Him. If you need prayer for anything, you've got trials and troubles going on, there'll be a team over there ready to pray with and for you. For trials big and troubles small, they're ready to pray for anything. But let me pronounce this blessing over you. And remember, you can go out to the building through those doors. If you want to have a look at the new building, we'd love you to do that. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you, no matter what you're going through or walking through. May the Lord turn His face towards you and your family and your children and your children's children and give you shalom, peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give Him some praise in the house.